Hello and welcome to the GamesIndustry.biz podcast. I'm James Butter and I am joined this week by Charlotte Nangle, Hayden Taylor, and Christopher Drink. We're going to be discussing the various headlines of the past week, including but not limited to the surprise launch of Apex Legends, a new free-to-play battle royale game set in the Timefall universe, the ongoing backlash that Capture Media and Deep Silver face after making Metro Exodus temporarily exclusive to the Epic Game Store, Microsoft's plans to bring Xbox Live support to mobile and Nintendo Switch. The success of Kingdom Hearts 3, 5 million copies shipped across physical and digital, the fastest selling entry in the series so far, and UK retailer HMV being saved from administration by Canadian firm Sunrise Records. Busy you, week. It's been a busy week and it's only Tuesday. <laughs> um, I mean, I, you know, which stories there leap out at you? I, Charlotte, I can hazard a guess. Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom forever Hearts. and ever. Because this was your most anticipated game of the year, wasn't it? Of life, of death, of everything. This game and me, um, it's, been, it's been a long time coming and it's here and I am one of those people that has clambered to buy it. And um, yeah, I'm about 45 hours in. Okay, well, <laughs> only 45 hours only in. Only 45 hours in, yes. Um, so, yeah, I am interested, because um, I don't know about... You guys aren't the most avid Kingdom Hearts fans, right? I barely even know what it is. Okay, sure. I mean, I wanted to be. I've always wanted to be. Okay. But it just seems so impenetrable. Um, although I had some... So, so we ran um, a critical consensus on it, which is our reviews yes. roundup, obviously. I actually saw someone reply to us on Twitter, um, one of the posts we had sharing that article, like, oh, a lot of the article... Sorry, a lot of the reviews mm-hmm. obviously state that if you're a massive Kingdom Hearts fan, yep. this is going to be perfect, good review. And if you're not, there are ways of catching up and so forth. And someone pointed out, it's like, of course it's going to be impenetrable because it, well, on the one hand it's, of course it's going to be impenetrable because there are 10 plus games <laughs> as much as this is Kingdom yes. Hearts 3 it's actually like Kingdom Hearts 14 or something, something like there are 10 plus games to have caught up on and you wouldn't expect in a series that does have an ongoing storyline you wouldn't expect someone you wouldn't expect to go into the 14th book of a series and expect to know everything that happened Correct. equally They've said like Square Enix has actually done taken great pains to make as much of the past storyline mm-hmm. as accessible as possible with things like the 1.5 and 2.5 remix. So actually, it's not that impenetrable if you've got the time and money to put in on one platform. I feel like um, I am in a very healthy relationship with this franchise, <laughs> so um, it is completely impenetrable. It is. Mm-hmm. If I had not played number one and two, I would think. I, I would not know what to think, truly. It is it is insane to think about um, the amount of barriers to entry that this title has, but none of them really matter because once you're in it, it is such an immersive it's such an immersive world that it does it does get you sucked straight back in. But um, I am I am curious as to because um, there seems to be a lot of surprise about how well it's sold. And I, um, I'm quite confused about that. I, I guess, the, I guess the thing is like the the series has not been, the series has not been like on a main console apart from the remakes. Not mm. been on a main a home console yeah. since what 14 years when since yeah. Kingdom Hearts two. Yeah, and obviously all the other ones have been weird little spin offs that yes. add to the story, but don't so we've progress had it. Like the. Oh, we've had what a Game Boy Advance version. Game Boy Advance, a 3DS, a yeah. DS, a couple of mobiles. Um, and then there was that weird one that kind of wasn't canon, but was made specifically for. Oh, there was some kind of some kind of software that they made some kind of game for. So yeah, it's um, it, it's, it's mobile ones. 
Yeah, it's the, the mobile ones. Yeah. yeah, the PlayStation, the, the Kingdom Hearts actually came out quite late on the PS2 life cycle as well. Anyway, it was two thousand. Yeah, so it was two thousand four when Kingdom Hearts two came out. So yeah, there was already a lot of established um, titles on that. But it really it did penetrate through the market, obviously, because you know people have been waiting so long for this game. Um, so yeah, I was I was um, as someone who has been waiting thirteen years for this game, I was surprised with how surprised people were that it sold well because yeah. you know I as someone in that you know this weird again very healthy relationship I can admit things we're a very weird fandom we we truly are so obviously we expected you know of course it's going to ship 5 million copies why would it not we've been waiting a lifetime for it how, how many of those sales do you think are people who have no idea what it is but go oh it's got Donald Duck in it I, I want this game with all these Disney huge characters huge amount I mean even me just personally I have a 3 year old niece and now my sister wants a copy <laughs> because Oh, it's got Arendelle in it. Elsa is her favourite, you know. Yeah. So she now wants to pick up a copy just because of that aspect and, of it. And I think Square Enix has been hoping for that because all of the marketing has obviously revolved around Frozen, Big Hero 6, yeah. Toy Story, etc. Tangled, and, yeah. and from what I've read, again, not played any of these games, but from what I've read, like past games obviously delved further into Final Fantasy Get Worlds as well as mm -hmm. yeah. the Disney ones. This one, from, from reading the reviews, almost entirely just focuses on Disney worlds. Yeah. Which honestly, I don't see that being a problem <laughs> because Disney is friggin' huge. Yeah, and you know, Disney is one of those kind of brands that does follow you through life. It kind of it scales up with you in terms of yeah. the content. You know, from Toy Story one to Toy Story three, you know, it's a it's a much more mature offering. And one thing I will say about Kingdom Hearts, it, it has definitely not matured with us. <laughs> it it, tru it truly hasn't. But again, that that is kind of um, part of the what makes it so special that it is very much of a certain time and you do think oh wow yeah I can just be an angsty 12 year old talking about my heart and the light and the power of darkness so <laughs> I do wonder um, for people that don't have any idea what they're getting into how long they will last because it's not you know it's not a um, it's not an easy game to get into for a lot of reasons no it reminded me of um, when Mass Effect 3 came out and EA were like, well, this is going to be the perfect entry point into the series. <laughs> it's the third in a trilogy. How is that an entry point? But having played, when I played it, it's like, okay, yeah, I actually get, yeah, if you played this and you've never mm -hmm. played the previous games, you do get the basic gist. Big bad aliens have come to wipe everyone out and continue. <laughs> um, this, not some, not even close. No. <laughs> to give you some stats, because I, I love I, stats. I, I have That's why I got you here. I have nothing to add on Kingdom Hearts 3 as a game because I've never played it. Kingdom Hearts 3, I'm not surprised it did read 5 million because actually it was the most shared game at E3 2015 on Facebook. So at, when that game was announced at E3 2015, or when it was shown at E3 2015, it was shared on Facebook more than any other game announced that year. So any Call of Duty, anything. So it's, it's, quite, it's obviously huge, got a huge audience. I think what I was surprised about was the UK. Because in the UK, it sold triple of Kingdom Hearts 2. And you know, PS2 is in some ways ginormous. Yeah. And when you look at the, and also it, DS, the handheld market in the UK up until the Switch is, was really small. So all of those DS games that came out, they were doing a couple of thousand units. They come out, they do a couple of thousand units, and then it just disappeared. So when the third one comes, of course, the first one in a series of 14 years, a lot of hype, a lot of expectation, comes out and it does that huge amount of units in, in it's, it's not, I mean, don't be wrong, it's not like eye-wateringly high, but it's up there with a decent performed game in January. Um, it made me go, oh, that's pretty impressive. It was up there with Resident Evil 2, you know, yeah. uh, which is which is a far more Western-friendly type. So anyway, those are my stats. Um, <laughs> Thank you for the stats. <laughs> Thank you.
Chris, while you're here, um, thank you for the stats, obviously, but I'd also like to talk to you and, and the whole team, obviously, about Apex Legends. Yeah. And more importantly, the way it was released, because you've just written and published a, an interesting piece. Uh, EA released it because it was scared to announce it. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, that's what they said. Oh, I, I just, this, less yesterday, we all knew the game was coming. It had been leaked out on the Friday, um, or at least its existence did. And I sent an email to EA and said, look, I'm not interested in talking to Respawn. Actually, that's not true. I am interested in talking to Respawn, but I understand other people might come first in the consumer games world. Yeah. I am interested in talking to your marketing and PR teams about why you've decided to do this, why you decided to just drop it, work with esports influencers primarily. Um, I was interested. Didn't get a reply, game got announced, and then Respawn gives a quote to you again that says, we announced it um, this way because it's got loot boxes in it, it's by EA, it's um, not Titanfall 3, um, and everyone's gonna yell at it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so we decided, well, we, know, we, we won't let them, we'll just release the thing. <laughs> and I just went, oh, that's not some weird, drastic, clever marketing PR strategy. It's a, uh, well, we had no choice. If we'd or, announced it, we would have spent six months being shouted at. Or is it though? Is it a double? Is it a double bluff? They kind of know in the eyes of a lot of consumers, EA are the they are the people to they are the people to hate. So are they just doing it to round up loads of those kinds of people? In in what way? In the uh, just in terms of you know because um, it, it's quite a bold it's quite a bold statement to come out and make right? It's EA, so this is why we've done it. Yeah, because people hate us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. And you, yeah, and you've you've got to you've got to assume like there are a lot of people at EA, not just like, you know, not respawn obviously, but EA who are like particularly after like the loot box debacle mm. and then Command and Conquer, as you pointed out, yeah. like the E3 mm. reaction to that. Just like oh, I, the, just the prospect of announcing something that they know people aren't mm. going to like. And the thing is, they probably would like. And I think this is what... Because yeah, yeah, yeah. the thing is, we can sit there and go... The reason why... There's two sides of it. On one hand, Respawn... I think Respawn or EA, whoever's decision it was, have got it spot on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think they have announced... They've not, they've, not, they've not let people get angry about loot boxes. They've just released it. And people have played it. And the response... I read some of the previews. I read some of the tweets. A million people playing it in eight hours. Whoa. I know. It's, it's, it's gone. Yeah. It's blistered. Well done. You know, whether or not the game is good or not, that's done to the developer. There's no PR backlash to handle. I'm, I am surprised that yet again, EA has released a Titan for uh, released a respawn game right next to another major. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's because Fred, we need another shooter apparently. But um, but I I I just think it's worked. So that's on the one hand, it's worked well done. And I think actually it's an interesting lesson to you know the bigger pump publishers that get this abuse. On the other side of it though, it's pretty sad. Um, it is. It is yeah. the that that quote made me sad. Yeah. Like, it's like we've got to the stage where like. You want to be you want to be proud of everything you've worked on. You want to be proud to come out as like this. This is what we're working on. We cannot wait for you to get your hands on it. It's going to be amazing. Thank you so much for for your initial interest. We'll have this to you as soon as we possibly can. You want because there's that 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 hype train. The, you know the industry yeah. has been built on the hype train of right. You announce six months to a year before. Um, before release, and then you build and build and build and build and bang. Here's big launch. This is the game you've all been waiting for. 14 years in the case of <laughs> and Kingdom Hearts 3. You know, and they've not got this, they're like, here it is, please play it. I think the hype train is kind of the problem though. Like, I mean, how many times do games get announced? And like Sony have got this problem, like they announced all of their games years ago, and now the hype train is just chugging on like endlessly and mercilessly, and it's just like, when will it end? Will the game ever come out? Can we play it? 
I'm so bored of looking at trailers for your game. Does it even exist? <laughs> what, what's Death Stranding again? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I kind of like it as just a nice, like, clean, crisp approach. Yeah. Like, I think, um, like, From Software are quite good with their games because they just go, it's coming out soon. Here's one or two true trailers. And they kind of let the community bubble, knowing that they will be excited for their games because they always are. And it's not this six months of trailers and pre-release footage and demos and previews. And it's like, I'm, I'm not interested in Apex because I don't like online battle royale shooters, but I am weirdly interested in Apex because it came out yeah. yesterday yes. with no fanfare. So that's got me more interested than this, this a year of trailers ever could. This is the thing, I, I, the one million players in eight hours, that is very impressive, but that is a lot of people going, oh, yeah, fine, it's free, I'll give this a go. I'd be more intrigued to know the day two stats. Yeah. Um, by the time this podcast comes out, we may well have about day two stats, yeah. and Vince <laughs> is probably sitting there going, well, four million <laughs> day two, thank you very much. But we don't know. Getting people to play your game is the hardest thing. Like Massively, once, yeah. they, once they start, then you've got them, and then yeah. you yeah. can squeeze them. I, I was just a bit... The reason why I was sad is I, I may, I'm, not, I'm getting older, that's the problem. I go to E3, and I'm that guy, and to be fair, I, might sn I write snarky comments when I'm at E3, and I write things like, oh, another game where you got shot in the neck, oh, another <laughs> game where you've got a bow and arrow, or another violent game. But I remember when I used to watch, I remember years ago, I used to sit there and PlayStation would announce Wonder Book or there'd be a PlayStation Move stuff, and people, people, people pull that face. <laughs> <laughs> they, they go, they go oh, I'm going to make a cup of tea, right? But they don't do that now. They write snarky, they might, they write yeah. snarky comments about it, and people start slagging it off, going, oh, they don't know their audience, they don't know their market. And then, so what happens is PlayStation announced something really cool like PlayLink before the show yeah. because they, they're too they're too worried about a negative reaction during the show and yeah. the, the reason why that upsets me a little bit is that we talk about diversity talking about getting more and more people in and watching playing the games but then we get to someone like E3 and we say oh no we know our audience we know who well, do you know who's watching E3 you don't want to be make, showing kids games during E3 but if you want the kids to come in if you want the uh, different genders different people to come in and watch this show you need to put on content for them yes Diablo Immortals was the wrong game for BlizzCon but you needed to put Diablo Immortals into BlizzCon so that next year, you know, you get those, you get that different yeah. audience yeah. of people in. It's like, you know, like when you put on a band that nobody wants to see at Reading Festival and people come in, um, people come, yes, you know, some of the people, the, the hardcore from punk fans will go, oh, she's not one of my bands, but then hmm. it brings new people into the festival anyway. Anyway, I just thought it was a bit sad. No, I agree. Yeah. I, I, E3 is the, the big one as well. Like, I, I, yeah, there's still debate as to whether you know is BlizzCon the right place to, to announce a mobile Diablo game. I would say yes, but some people have quite loudly said no. <laughs> E3 is the place that we want to be showing how diverse video games are because that's the one that the whole world is looking at. You don't get like the big news channels or the traditional broadcasters. You don't get them coming to Gamescom. Or G okay, then I come to get you right. You only get them come to GDC. <laughs> <laughs> Argument struck down straight away. Um, no, you don't get them. They don't. They don't go to GDC. They don't go to BlizzCon. They don't go to the myriad of, of events that, that we go to. But they do go to E3. I've only been to E3 myself once, but when I was there, there were a lot of TV crews, and I know that you've you've been before. And like you just constantly get TV crews kind of interviewing games people. It's like so these video games things they're still going, <laughs> <aren't> they? <laughs> right? and. And so, yeah, you want them to be a bit more diverse. You want them to be, uh, yeah, as, as, as I was saying to you earlier, um, Microsoft always come out and it's like, hey, we've got 75 games to show you off. All of them about killing or <laughs> racing or sports or killing or killing in sports and racing. 
and they don't have the kids um, titles they don't have the family titles you know playlink the fact that it was just you know shoved into a, a pre e3 and you know pre press conference announcement that as as you and i both said at the time is the interesting one because that is hey here's a bunch of playstation 4 games you can play with your phone because you don't know that you, know, you might not be comfortable with a, a dual shot controller you might not want a you know 100 hour rpg epic but you might want a four hour you know choose your own adventure thriller that you control by voting on your phone with the rest of the family that's the one that can broaden the audience for playstation and video games in general and yet that's just shoved into a kind of a yeah, live stream I, you can't blame them because no, they get, no, they exactly, get, they get yeah. slagged off not just by the gamers but by the media as well and yeah. i'm, that, I'm so I find myself doing it. I snark. I, Twitter's there. <laughs> Everyone's being sarcastic about that announcement. I've got to say something sarcastic. I've just put a hilarious joke. Yep. I'm going to get shouted at by Microsoft in the morning. You know, it's like <laughs> there is there is that competition. Who can come up with the funniest, snarkiest tweet? Yeah. Like you, you feel the pressure when you're watching a press conference. Like right, they've only announced a Funko Pop's Gears of War mobile game. <laughs> What's the funniest thing I can say about this that doesn't imply I like the idea of it? <laughs> That's basically what a journalist is doing when they're watching these conferences. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, I, I, my, I don't, know, I don't know if you. My prediction for E3 this year on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, now that now so now that Microsoft have announced Xbox Live plans and support. So Hayden, you wrote this story, mm -hmm. and I'll be honest, I haven't fully read it yet. Oh. <laughs> good editor, good editor, <laughs> a good editor never. Yeah. Um, <laughs> talk, talk me through it. what, because what, I've, I've seen a lot of snarky tweets. Yeah, snarky tweets, abundant. I've seen a lot of snarky tweets. Wow. They've already brought Xbox Live to mobile, have they? I don't. What is it that they're bringing to mobile and Switch? So, details are pretty light because it is based entirely off a GDC session which has been submitted, which they'll be talking about at GDC, presumably. Um, and in a nutshell, it's they are they are it's an Xbox development kit or Xbox Live development kit which effectively allows for sort of like achievements, cross-platform play and all of that on mobile and Switch. So I think ultimately if a dev wants to make a game for Xbox Live, they can, you can then play, I don't really know. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a way of sort of, I'm trying to think of a way of sort of describing it. The point is like details are pretty sort of slim, but yeah. I think it's, it's mainly to do with sort of cross-platform social achievements. So a bit like how um, you have Xbox Live on PC. Yeah. So you play your Xbox games through your PC. I guess it's, it's the implications that are, that are promising. So like, you know, it's very, very basic level. It sounds like if you play Minecraft on Switch, you unlock See, so achievements. That, so that's then, the thing. That's probably what people are sort of being snarky right. about. Is you can you already requires an Xbox Live login to play Minecraft on Switch and I believe mobile. Right. Yes. So okay. this is kind of I think it's that, but spread it's out spread and standardised. Okay. okay. Right. Okay. So this. I mean, yeah. So yeah. I. That's that's. It's that closing relationship between Microsoft and Nintendo. Yes. That. Um, and and this, I, this builds up to your prediction that you've yes. been making for quite some time. I'm just upset. I, I, I do predict there will be a Microsoft and Nintendo years and years and years ago were sort of friendly. Um, and it was on the back of Rare being sold and it, had, it was even Age of Empires on DS. A lot of people forget about that one. Um, and uh, then 
I, I don't know the don't know the story behind it. No one's ever told me, but it soured. It might have been because Microsoft was working on Newton, which was a Wii remote remote, and maybe that upset Nintendo. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just speculating. But regardless, that relationship stopped. There's no more rare games being released on DS. Um, and then uh, the room, the Gold Knight thing rumored. I've seen it. Gold Knight HD game never came out. Um, and so it was just almost like, well, you know, as a sh- you know, whatever happened. But over the last six year, they've been getting closer and closer and closer. We've seen that marketing campaign on Minecraft. We've seen um, uh, Phil Spencer doing joke, suggestive tweets about Super Smash Brothers tie up with one of its characters, which I think will happen. Um, and um, and then and now we're moving into that. Um, and now we're moving, and I just think now you're moving to X Cloud. We're talking the technology sort of syncing up, and I'm just seeing Nintendo pl- messing about with um, uh, streaming um, with Last Resident Evil and Assassin's Creed last year. And then you sit there and think, surely it's only, and Microsoft wanted to put all of its games on every platform. Surely we're looking at a matter of time before something, before yeah. some form of content partnership sparks up. And Nintendo, Nintendo's the one that will, is likely to work with them more, more so than Sony. So, I mean, Microsoft already have access to mobile and PC because they are open platforms. Yeah. There's, there's nothing stopping them pushing their brand, their service on those. And those places. will be the more important platforms to Microsoft. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But in terms of the the perception of wow, Microsoft really is across everything. Getting onto either Nintendo or PlayStation, that's going to be a that's going to be a big leap in terms of what it means, rather than in terms of the audience. Yeah, it will feel it'll fit people, it will fit people. People will go, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and PlayStation are definitely not going to get well, let yeah. Xbox Live on on PlayStation. So yeah, Nintendo makes the the yeah. natural sense. So yeah. If you um, if you look at the reaction to that story, story which blew up yesterday on on uh, online, there were loads of people going what and putting gifts of people looking shocked. Yeah. <laughs> the truth is, this has been happening for a year. You know, last year Microsoft announced a load of stuff at GDC, which is about cross-platform, you know, games that utilise its technology and this sort of thing. It's not it's not actually we've been predicting this for ages, but it's something like that that makes people go. Care, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's and it's just so I I don't know I'm I'm not, I'm not actually I'm not predicting it'll happen at E3. I just wouldn't be surprised if a Nintendo person rocked up on Microsoft stage. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, that's hedging your bets very nice. Well, no, <laughs> because it, it might be a bit too soon. Yeah, no, yeah to be yeah. honest. But I wouldn't. If, if not this year, then maybe next. And it doesn't have yeah. to happen at E3. You just think if if you want to cause a shock announcement at the show, that's yeah. the one to do, right? But anyway. <laughs> Still seeing some interesting stuff from the Epic Games Store. Like, so Epic Games have obviously been getting some very interesting exclusives to try and draw attention to the store. Obviously, like as much as they launched very kind of indie first and indie centric, and ultimately those are the developers that are going to benefit most from the store thanks to its high kind of higher revenue shares. They need larger, more recognised games in order to draw. You know, consumers. The big one recently, obviously, has been uh, Metro Exodus. We've covered a lot on the site. I don't think we've discussed on the podcast though. And um, I mean, a short version, very short version of it is right. So, Koch said that Metro Exodus is going to go exclusive to the Epic Games Store for a time because these are always timed exclusives. You never completely cut off a platform. People complained because Valve said that this is unfair to consumers because it's so close to the release and. Obviously, people have already pre-ordered it on Steam. Have then, oh, so Epic have then said, "Well, we're going to you know, honour the pre-orders, um, so that's not an issue." THQ then 
TSQ Nordic, which owns Koch Media slash Deep Silver, they yeah. then so th- there was a there's, there's there is a THQ Nordic the publisher and there's THQ Nordic the parent company. Yeah, so there's, so there's nicely confusing. Very <laughs> nicely confusing. So THQ Nordic the parent no THQ Nordic the publisher said, we personally don't like to we're not going to rule out us doing a similar exclusivity deal in the f- in the future, but we like our people to have as many platform access to as many platforms as possible. Then Lars Wingerfors, who's the CEO of that part of TSQ Nordic, I believe, he's not CEO. No, he's CEO of the whole. No, thing. he's CEO of the parent yeah. company, right? He then said he fully supports the decision of Cox Media De- Deep Silver because it's their game, their decision. Therefore, and so there's been. It seemed like they were distancing themselves, and then they were distancing and from the, the developer distancing. Came in, yeah. the developer came in. One developer. Now, this is the guy that I felt most sorry for at the whole um, thing. One developer for four A games, not named came on and basically complained on a forum that look at all these people like tra- threatening to boycott Metro on PC. If you do boycott it, fine, we won't make any more games, Metro games for PC. How ridiculous is it that we have poured years and years into this work and then because of a decision that he himself had not taken part of, they're then threatening to boycott the game purely because they can't be bothered to install another launcher. Yeah. Like and that and that's that's been my biggest issue with the the controversy over this is I can understand I can understand the backlash when like Microsoft got the exclusivity on Shadow of the Tomb Raider yeah so like, great if I loved the Tomb Tomb Raider the first Tomb Raider reboot and I want the sequel I'm gonna have to buy a flipping Xbox in order to play play even though I've already got a PlayStation Four I can understand that because that's like a three hundred pound barrier to entry the Epic Game Store is just a free download that doesn't yeah. make a difference. Yeah, it does. I, I personally don't think anyone that's threatening to boycott Metro is ever going to buy the game in the first place. No, <laughs> because, if, because if you wanted the game, you're not going to go, oh, it's on a different launch. I'm not going to. If you wanted it, if you really wanted it. Um, it, it uh, I, I'm kind of a group here to ignore it for the first one. In that, you know, taking it off the, taking it off one store to put it on another. It's like going into HMV, taking all the games off that st- that shelf and sticking it in game. You know, it's just, just put it on both shelves. Um, and I understand, I understand that there's a better um, structure in terms of payment and it's fair on the developer and these are big companies that want to have a better cut of this sort of money. That's the reason why Epic are doing it. But when you've got had it up for pre-order for a while and you've pre-ordered it, just, yeah. just move, do the next one, you know, yeah. do the next one. Division two just about got away with it because it wasn't really on the Steam Store for a period of time. So, and it, and it's not as close to launch. And Division two is a, is kind of a longer term prospect because yeah. it's a service based game. Like yeah. whereas whereas Metro Exodus, it's coming out February fifteenth. And as with most AAA games, if you don't get it at launch, you're unlikely to pick it up. Yeah. Afterwards, mm-hmm. let's be honest. It's just a bit mad that there's exclusivity battles over download stores. I mean, yeah. it's a shop, these are shops, isn't it? I mean, yeah. It's it's. It, yeah. I, one thing I wonder is like, obviously we're all paying a lot of attention to this because we work in the industry. But how much attention is your average metro consumer paying to this? So when they boot up Steam on February the fifteenth or whenever it comes out, and it's not on there, as far as they're concerned, does it even exist anymore? Yeah. Like, 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 how how yeah. closely are uh-huh. they following it to the point where they're going to be like, oh well, it, oh, it's on that that new competing store I've heard so much about. Like, yeah, I mean, I, like, it's I not think, mainstream, right? Yeah, then. like these games sell millions and millions of copies, and only a fraction of those people read the game press or follow the mm-hmm. industry with any level of sort of intensity. Yeah. So I just wonder whether it'll be, you know, like um, CD Projekt Red released their Thronebreaker, which. Uh, 
sort of spin-off thing exclusively on Gog because they own that store and it just didn't sell because oh no we don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it, it, it didn't sell very well they, they sort of came out and said that it, it did disappointing that we do know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they, they, they said they were disappointed with the numbers that it did and it was perhaps not the, the wisest yeah. decision and you know a lot of people know that God exists but it just doesn't have that level of reach yeah. so I wonder how many people are really going to be acutely aware of the fact that it's on the Epic Store to then like make the decision to go out and do it because Steam is a platform it's not just it downloads your games, it's also a fantastic like, advertising platform. Yeah. It puts well, games in front of you whenever you boot it up. Charlotte used to work for a publisher. Steam yes. was pretty much it, wasn't it? Yeah. Steam was yeah. our life, yeah. yeah. That was where you know a huge proportion of our um, revenue came from. And just talk, going back to Hayden's point, when they log on to Twitter and they're looking at Metro News, you know, they're not seeing you know well-reasoned, thought-out reporting on it. They're just seeing people screaming into the void that... Metro's gone, it's, my pre-order's gone, all of this kind of stuff. Mm. So it does kind of build up that mob mentality when really it is just a case of downloading really quickly another store. But I do see like both sides of it. You can't, we can't, you know, expect people to follow specialised games journalism when, you know, they may just be hobbyists that play for four hours let, a week. Let's not forget the Epic Store does obviously, launch it does include Fortnite, which is the biggest video game in the world yeah. Um, yeah and so it's not it's not like without an audience um, but yeah no you're right and it's it's uh, it's interesting whenever I talk to people about it it's like competition's good right? yeah. having yeah. one dominant platform re having one dominant retailer is not good for yeah. the market um, so having multiple retailers are great but you talk to actual everyday gamers and they go mm -hmm. I've got to download I've got to download uh, whatever the Blizzard one called is I've got um, <laughs> Battle.net. Battle.net. I've got to download that, and I've got to download Origin to play my EA games. I've got to download mm -hmm. whatever Bethesda's one is to play Fallout seventy six. All five of those people, <laughs> and um, and I've got to I've got to download uh, uh, the Epic Store to play Fortnite, and it just becomes this. Um, it's just too, almost just or, or um, Gog to download whatever CD mm -hmm. projects, oh, yeah. and it just becomes this thing. The thing is that companies that aren't big enough to advertise beyond it yeah. are okay, right? So if you're, I think. Yeah. In theory. So if you're Ubisoft, you're going to advertise Division 2 pretty hard, and yeah. people, people will know where to download that game because EA, uh, because Ubisoft will be going, come on, this is where you download it, this is where you can play it, this is where you can get it. At least they can make, they won't reach all the Steam audience, but they'll be able to reach a group of people in a quite a large way. Um, but um, I don't know, is, is Koch himself, do they have quite the level of pockets to be able to do that for Metro? I don't know. I mean, they're not a small company. They're, they're not, not a small company, but they're not a Ubisoft. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is why I imagine they've gone. With Epic Game Store, like aside from the the revenue sharing, there's obviously rumours. Although I don't, you know, obviously this is sort of stuff that would never be disclosed. That Epic obviously paid a handsome sum for the exclusivity for a time. I mean, that's just how exclusivity deals work. Yep. So yeah, well, yes, no, yes, you know all too well. I mean, without, I imagine you can't give away hard figures. Absolutely but not. No, <laughs> but, but they yeah. make it, it. It's just it's a at the core. It's a very simple business transaction. We will give you this and you will be remunerated for this much, yeah. for this amount of time. And um, you know the people that aren't the Ubisofts and Activisions, mm. you know, sometimes those payments are the difference between you being able to pay your developers to get to the next master. So that kind of stuff, yeah. those decisions are very much made before before the game. You know, these are 
made a, a long time in advance. So, you know, because obviously your developers have to be aware of the um, restrictions for each platform and all of that kind of boring nonsense. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's no surprise when that happens. You know, it's not like someone turning up. These these business decisions are made in a long time coming. And, you know, you're courted by the different platform holders. You know, they all want the content. They will, well, yeah. not in, not Nintendo, obviously. Yeah. They, don't, <laughs> they don't need to talk to anyone if they don't want to. But, you know. And it feels like Metro, Metro, and cost media to then foray to an extent like they'll want that that remuneration because yeah. as you know as promising as Metro X looks and I, I was lucky enough to go to a hands-on event um, last month and it's, it looks I, I've missed the first two games but yeah. I'm definitely keen on picking up um, Exodus mm -hmm. but it's not the biggest franchise like it's it's not a triple A as much as it looks like it's trying to be it's not a triple A yeah. and it's going up on the same day against Crackdown which for all the skepticism about Crackdown oh, 3 Microsoft Games that's a different one it's a different, that's a different PC like Crackdown 3 which yeah. you know as much as it's there's skepticism around how long it's been in development Crackdown's still a popular brand yeah. Far Cry New Dawn which all right, Ubisoft's kind of quietly rolling out. It's on Steam, that one. That's that fine. one. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Um, it's also on Shadow, whatever the hell that is. I got a press release about that. Okay. Um, <laughs> we'll more on that later. Um, so you've got Crackdown, Far Cry. Those are both going up against Metro on the same day. Mm -hmm. The following week, you've got Anthem. Origin. Origin. <laughs> <laughs> We're playing Digital Store Bingo. Um, you've got Anthem the following week. You've got um, yeah, the Division Two. More games come up in March, and like, and basically within. I'd say I'd say a month after your game is released, if you're like yeah, that's it, you've lost eyeballs essentially. So of course they're going to want to get. I mean, it, you know, they, they seem quite confident in it. They they reckon it's going to sell better than the previous two, which you would hope, but. <laughs> It's still yeah. not going to be like a record-breaking seller. So yeah, any kind of remuneration they would go for that yeah. just makes business sense. Well, it's not interesting. It can benefit. You know, you, you might sit there and think, oh, they've taken the Epic Store, but there won't be much competition on the Epic Store. Mm -hmm. It does have the Fortnite audience. Maybe it'll help yeah. them go into a different marketplace. It's like I spoke to the guys behind Phoenix Point, and they've obviously been given some money by Microsoft to um, have it in um, Game Pass. So you know, they're giving it away for free. On um, on um, Xbox, Xbox yeah. One, well, not for free, for the monthly cost yeah. of Game Pass, and Xbox clearly have paid for that. And I spoke to them and said, "Doesn't make any sense. That's going to hurt your sales, isn't it? It's going to damage your PC download sales." And he goes, "Well, actually, I hope. Well, on the opposite, it'll promote the game. It'll make the game mm -hmm. bigger. Um, people will be playing it more. It'll be shared more, and it will result in bigger PC sales. So, mm -hmm. so actually, I mean, that's it's a very loose connection. That, but my my sort of my point is that was a commercial decision that's yep. helped them get some investment and some money back. But then it potentially pays off down the line as a, it could pay off in a different way yeah. for them. All those PSN, all those PlayStation Plus games yeah. ended up doing very well after they came out of PlayStation mm -hmm. Plus. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it can work. I think at the risk of um, starting to wrap up, because we're, we're running short on time, um, I, I, when it comes to the exclusivity deals that Epic Games are making, I am happy for them to keep making them if it means we're breaking, we, like you say, we're getting competition and we're breaking up that monopoly that Steam has at the risk of kind of tangentially relating it to another industry, it's the same as if you look at um, self-publishing, the only platform that matters in self-publishing is Amazon. Yeah. There's Kobo, there's um, iBooks, there's Google Books, whatever, there's like, the Smashwords, Wattpad, there's a bunch of other platforms, but the only one that matters is Amazon because that's got more than 90% of the market. But that means that when Amazon changes how things are done, so, uh, Obviously, I don't expect anyone to, to kind of follow the, the, this industry, but 
the way that Kindle Unlimited worked, for example, used to be that, right, you get paid on how many people download your book. But if people download your book and then don't open it, it's like, well, then you get money for nothing, right? We're going to change it to how many pages of your book they read, right? Well, hang on, you've now got people splitting a six hundred word novel into six one hundred word novels, <laughs> and then yeah, that, that was it. No, that, that was why they did pages read because you had people splitting six hundred word novels into six one hundred word novels to get six times the entry price. Basically, you only find one. You're always going to have people gaming the system, but more importantly, you've got one company that if they change something in how they want to share that revenue because you are using their platform, that affects your business, your income, and therefore your ability to, to survive. And Steam is in that position. Yeah. And it shouldn't be. Yeah. And no one should be. Yeah, no. Yeah. Competition is competition is good. It also makes everyone better. Yes. Um, it, unfortunately, Valve has been doing this for a very long time now, and they <laughs> are so good that whenever you, you know, people, Epic Store, it's wonderful, they're taking these exclusives. It's not as good as Steam. No, okay, <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's of course it's not. I only launched it last yeah. year, um, but it's uh, yeah, it's competition is good. And this is the first time, and I've written so many articles like Patrick to Steam, even Amazon when they wanted to do it, that were the rival to Steam. This is the first time that I've looked at it and thought we actually genuinely have a rival to Steam. Indeed. Well, we will be following this story and many others <laughs> over at the website. Um, you can find our previous episodes of the podcast on all good podcasting platforms. We're multi-platform. Aye. We are absolutely multi-platform. <laughs> In the meantime, you can of course find all of your news, insight and analysis into the world behind video games at gamesindustry.biz. Guys, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you.